Well, we are um, in a new sermon series this week, uh, and we're going to be here for the next six weeks. Um, it's, a one, again, a wonderful time. If this is your first time at First on Chatham, you came on a great day because we're going to be together in this one area of study for the next six weeks. If you're thinking about inviting someone, this might be a great sermon series uh, to invite them as well because it's something that a lot of us look for in life. A lot of us would like to go back to a simpler time and a simpler life. And that's the whole sermon series, the series called Simplify. I was watching earlier this week, I was um, at the church um, and I was sitting outside, or sitting inside, looking outside, um, and I saw the preschoolers uh, playing. Um, Wouldn't it be nice to be a kid again? Um, Watching them play uh, was so much fun. It's just a simpler existence. I recognize that childhood is not the easiest thing for everyone, for a lot of kids. But for me, I kind of reflected a little bit this week on my own childhood. And the most difficult thing I had to do each and every day was wake up at 7 a.m. That was it. After that, it was a breeze. Um, at 7 o'clock, you wake up. I had to be at school at 7.30. I had to be there. By 3 o'clock, I was at home, and I was on my bike, and I was racing to the ball field to either play kickball or basketball or whatever it would be, play for a few hours, come home. Dinner was ready. Like, it was there. Like, I didn't have to do anything. I walk in, dinner's there on the table, sit down, chat with my parents. Sometimes those questions were actually the most difficult part of the day, but I'll be up. Um, went and did homework for a couple of hours, and then kind of prepared myself for the fight that would be bedtime. And so, uh, you know, pr- equipped myself to argue that I needed to stay up a little bit longer. That alone is a sign that Life is simpler for kids. The fact that a kid wants to be conscious for a couple more hours means that their day wasn't that stressful. By 9 o'clock for me, it's just like, I'm done. Uh, you know, peace, whatever. I'm going to, we'll try again tomorrow, world. Um, and so I'm out by 9 o'clock. But there's something about being, like living a more simple life that we all wish we could do. You know, kids don't have to deal with loans and taxes and uh, laundry and, and groceries. Um, last, last, I saw this meme that kind of hit me in a really emotional way. Um, last July, August, I don't remember when it was, came home from work, really stressful day, really long day at the church. And it was about 5.15, um, and I pulled up the uh, Instagram or Facebook, I don't remember which it was, and saw this meme there that, um, that like almost brought me to tears, not in a funny way, but in like a lament way, because the meme said... And this was as I was going back to my house and kind of going back into like home life, not having anything ready. Uh, The meme says, who knew that the most taxing, this meme had more colorful language than what I'm about to say. Who knew that the most taxing part of being an adult is trying to figure out what to have for dinner every night for the rest of your life until you die? That's the most, and and having no groceries in the house, I mean, I almost lost it um, because I was experiencing it. You long for simplicity in a lot of ways. We look for life to be a little bit more simple. And we all dream of it. Here's the good news. If you think you want your life to be more simple, your God in heaven, your creator, wants that for you in ways unimaginable. You don't don't desire it nearly half as God wants it for you. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to look at this series called Simplify, and we're going to look at different aspects of our lives that we desire, and we're going to work towards making more simple. Before we do that, will you pray with me?
most holy and living God, in a world of chaos, you call us to live simply. In a world where there are so many voices and there's so, many, so much shouting and there's so many different opinions, you invite us to listen. And so, most gracious and heavenly Father, might you speak to us today. Might we cancel out all the noise. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're going to look at a passage of Scripture this morning. It's going to come from the Gospel of Matthew. Um, I've mentioned this to you before, but the way that the church calendar works is frequently you stay in one gospel for the entire year. And so in 2020, we've circled back uh, to Matthew. So that's where we're going to be. So we're going to look at the beginning of Matthew. The only thing that's happened in Matthew up to this point is Jesus is born. That's it. Uh, then we fast forward about 30 years and we get to this scene. And it's a great place for us to start as we launch into this new series called Simplify as we launch into a new decade, a new year, and a new opportunity. So if you listen to these words, it comes from Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of God for us, the people of you couldn't ask for a better start to this sermon series on simplifying. This is a passage of Scripture, uh, that, a story, a scene in all of Scripture that's found at the beginning of each of the four Gospels and very close to the In Mark's uh, telling of the story, it is actually the opening scene of his Gospel. In Matthew and Luke, the only thing that's happened is really the birth of Jesus. And then in John, the only thing that's happened is the prologue. But Jesus' baptism is the beginning, really, of Jesus' public ministry. It's the launch. It's the launch pad to everything. Colin Absherbear, uh, the pastor of First Table and Foundry, and I were talking earlier this week, and we were interested and kind of wondering, did Jesus know what his purpose was? Like, what was happening during those 30 years? Did Jesus know what he was supposed to do um, and what he was called to do and who he was before this moment of baptism? It's an interesting thing to, to ponder, but we're at the age where Jesus is about 30, and he's about to embark on a life that you and I both know, if you've been in church before, you know was a little bit more chaotic than what we'd like to live. I mean, there were crowds, there were people that were flocking to him. He had disciples that he had to manage and kind of handle, and he had people that were just wanting things, demanding things of him, heal me, save me. Jesus had to get away a lot of times, go hide from crowds. People began to persecute him. People began to judge him. People began to put a lot of pressure on him to be someone that they were expecting him to be. But Jesus starts from a place of simplicity. Jesus' whole ministry starts from a place of simplicity. 
that might be a good reminder for us. If we're going to go back to the beginning, if Scripture calls us to go back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry before Jesus launched into his, maybe we, before we launch into this new year, should go back to our beginning. Jesus is standing there in the baptismal waters, and it's interesting to think about uh, what he's experiencing in this moment. Jesus, I, I think Jesus knew what was coming. I think that Jesus knew that this was about to get a little bit crazier. Life was about to kind of go upside down for him. And so Jesus is in the baptismal waters. And I think that God very intentionally called Jesus to look back, to reflect on a simpler time, to look back to the beginning, not his own beginning, but the very If you look at this passage of Scripture, you see that there are echoes of the creation story. In Genesis, the Spirit came down and hovered over the waters. In Matthew, the Spirit comes down and hovers over the waters. In Genesis, the Spirit comes down and tames the chaos of creation. In Matthew, the Spirit comes down and tames the chaos of sinfulness in humanity. In in Genesis, the Spirit comes down. It's the Spirit in general. That's where the Spirit comes. In Matthew, the Spirit lands upon Jesus. In Genesis, the Word is spoken and says, creation is good. In Matthew, God speaks again and says, this is my beloved. Essentially, He is good. You are good. There's echoes between the two. So maybe for us this Sunday, as we launch back into this kind of busy life, we're all back in our normal routines, it might be smart for us to go back to our beginning, to remember our place of creation and recreation. It's what God did for Jesus before his journey. It's what God does for us. It's interesting to think about why Jesus was baptized. Um, I don't know if you've thought about this before, but why was, I mean, why is Jesus baptized? A lot of us think that, G, that baptism is just the cleansing of sins, right? It's, it's kind of washing away all my sin. Um, it's a, a profession of faith. Why would Jesus need to do that? I mean, if we believe that Jesus is perfect, is without flaws, without sin, then why would Jesus need to be cleansed of his sins in baptism? It's an interesting question, especially if your lens of baptism is only focused on the cleansing of sins. But in, the, in our tradition, in the United Methodist Church, we recognize baptism to be far more than a You go to some churches and you might find that baptism is like an end goal. It's like what they're aiming for. They want to get you baptized. And as soon as they can get you baptized, it's like crossing you across the finish line. For us, baptism is the beginning. It's not the end. It's the opportunity for new life. It's the starting line. It's the place where we are recreated. It's the place where we're transformed. It's the place where, like Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes down, the Holy Spirit comes down upon us. For Jesus, baptism is a commissioning. It's a sending forth. And for us, I don't know if you've ever been to a commissioning service before, if you've ever seen anything commissioned. Commissioned is just essentially kind of preparing to send it out, to fulfill its purpose, to live what it's supposed to live in. I went to a commissioning service when I was probably 11 or 12 years old. It doesn't have to be a church thing, by the way. Commissioning happens all over the place. Um, I went to a, a, when I was 11 or 12, I went to a commissioning service with my granddad, who was um, a World War II veteran, and he was on a submarine. 
and they were commissioning a new submarine in Kings Bay, Georgia. And so he took me as his guest. Um, and so the two of us went down to Kings Bay, and we got a behind, he was a special guest. We got a behind-the-scenes tour of the sub. We got to meet all, like the, they had kind of a blue and red crew. So we got to meet all of the commanders and the generals of the blue crew, all of the commanders and the generals of the red crew. We got to meet the entire staff. We got an inside look of what that submarine was all about. The cool part about that ceremony, though, is about a two-hour ceremony, is they had all these different speakers that were you know, telling the story of not just the building of this sub, but previous submarines. They were explaining what the purpose of the entirety of the Navy was. They went back into the history lesson. The whole point of the ceremony was to remind everyone there what the purpose of this submarine is, and was, and will be. That's what commissioning is. They remind you of purpose. Um, I am uh, in the middle of, I mentioned just a second ago that I'm, you know, I'm in the middle of my ordination paperwork and getting all that ready. Right now, I'm, I'm not a full pastor. I'm like a baby pastor. And so I'll get there eventually. Uh, but a couple of years ago, I was commissioned. And commissioning is what we do first in the Methodist church. It's, we're kind of sent out. We get a two-year-ish uh, residency period, and then we're kind of, licensed or uh, ordained as a full elder. So I was commissioned a couple years ago, and during the ceremony, the bishop used a lot of language of remembering, of remembering who we are. One of the lines from the ceremony says, remember that you are called, and this is the bishop speaking to all of us who are about to be commissioned, remember that you are called to serve rather than to, to proclaim the faith of the church and no other, and to look after the concerns of God above all. Then later in the service, we were reminded even more of who we were called to be and what our sense of purpose was when the bishop prayed over us and said, God, pour out your Holy Spirit on Ben. And they, she did that for a lot of other people. He said, send Ben to proclaim the good news of Jesus, to announce the reign of God, and to equip the church for ministry. It was a commissioning. It was a sending forth. But more importantly, it was a reminder of who I'm supposed to be. What my purpose In Jesus' moment of baptism, John the Baptist is there. That's where John the Baptist's title comes from. He's a baptizer, baptized Jesus. John the Baptist, not denomination, John the Baptist, what he actually did. So he's a baptizer. John the Baptist and Jesus go back and forth for a little bit of a conversation, and John's kind of questioning Jesus. Why am I baptizing you? You should be baptizing and Jesus responds to John saying, Let it be so, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. That's a big, clunky line in Scripture that kind of doesn't make sense unless you pour over it for a while. The message, which is Eugene Peterson's interpretation of Scripture, um, uses a little bit clearer language. That fulfilling all righteousness, the reason that this is all happening, the reason why Jesus and John and God are all coming together in this moment is to fulfill the work of God. And Eugene Peterson says that that work of God is putting things right in the world. In that moment of Jesus' baptism, Jesus is commissioned to put things right in the world. It's interesting to think again about Jesus being baptized. It's as if God is lowering Jesus down to humanity to put things right. That's exactly what's happening. Jesus is being lowered into the fullness of humanity 
Humans are the people who get baptized. Humans are the ones that wash away their sin. Humans are the ones who need forgiveness and need repentance. Jesus is coming down into the fullness of humanity to be baptized so that he might better make things right. And in that moment of baptism for us, when we experience those baptismal waters, God transforms us, renews us, brings us back, brings us up from our own sin and death so that we might help make things right. In baptism, we're called to be co-laborers with Christ. We're called to the same purpose, to help glorify God by helping make right. This Sunday, as we look at this, the idea of what water means for us, water is important for all of creation. Water's there at the beginning. Jesus, call, or Jesus the, the word at the time, calms the waters. Water is there when Jesus is baptized. Water is there when we are baptized as well. Water is present. Water means something. Water is a super simple element, but its meaning is deep and significant. When we look at the baptismal waters, we're called and we're invited to go back to the beginning to go back to the origins, to go back to that moment of creation when life was simpler and we could hear exactly what it is that we are called. When we touch the water, we're reminded of creation, recreation. We're reminded of purpose. We're reminded of our baptism. We're reminded that God spoke over the waters and said, it is good. God spoke over the waters of baptism and said, you are my beloved. God reminds us with these waters of baptism of our purpose to help put things right in and to glorify God. So as we go into this new season of ministry, what might we touch these waters and be reminded of our purpose? It's just that simple. Amen. invite you to stand with us and we'll sing our last song together.
the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. is going to bring, and I don't know what you, you have on your schedule, but I do know this, no matter who you are, there's going to be people, there's going to be things, there's going to be pressure to try to tell you what your purpose is. There's going to be people who try to claim that your purpose is something other, something different, something big, something whatever it might be, and I'm going to invite you in this week as we go into this new series to go back to the beginning, back to those baptismal waters and back to your original purpose, which is to be a co-laborer with Christ in helping to make things right and to glorify God. Go from this place with that confidence, with that in mind. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. This is awesome. Thanks, guys.